We use a lot of superlatives to define Mr. Gautam Madani and his companies. Best, largest, biggest, richest, fastest. But do you know where these superlatives began? It started with Adani Enterprises being India's largest coal importer somewhere in 1994. To import such massive amounts of coal, he used 20 different ports. Seeing this as a natural extension to his coal business, he entered into the port business by purchasing a then run-down Mundra port, which he has now developed into India's largest. Then he had a port and a piece of land attached to it. So why not begin generating thermal power, which happens to use coal as its main raw material, which he's the largest importer of. And so Adani Power was born, which has now been transformed into India's largest private thermal power company. Few years after getting into power generation, it was natural for him to get into transmission and distribution of that power. So Adani Transmission was born. Then came gas. The Gujarat government under the then Chief Minister Sri Narendra Modi was the first to begin distributing piped gas at a large scale in the state around 15 years ago. In 2014, when the CM became the PM, he replicated his successful pipe gas policy on a national scale. You can guess who won most of the bids. And today, Adani Gas is India's largest gas distribution company. The government then decided to privatize six airports few years ago. Mr. Adani thought of this too as a natural extension to ports and lapped up all six. With a total of seven airports under management and one more under construction, the Adani Group is India's largest private airports player. Mr. Adani calls this the adjacency theory, where he builds or acquires businesses which are an extension of his existing business for better synergy. Now, the fact that most of them happen to be huge infrastructure projects of national importance is his personal preference. He now sees a tremendous opportunity in the cement space, with the massive amount of expenditure the government has planned for infrastructure to revive India's economy. So what does he do? Goes out and buys ACC and Ambuja cements in a deal worth $10.5 billion and overnight becomes the second largest cement maker in the country. Of course, this was a well thought out decision. His reasoning was India has very low cement consumption, just 240 kgs per capita against the global average of 525 kgs and China's 1600 kgs. He's now looking at steel and aluminium as well which could fit perfectly into his adjacency theory as all three are essential raw materials in construction. But wait a minute, let's put it all together. Here's a look at Mr. Adani's seven listed group companies. Then there's his latest acquisition, ACC and Ambuja Cements. And finally, there's the forced acquisition of NDTV, which makes his a total of 10 companies listed on the stock exchange once that deal is completed. However, there's a controversy regarding that deal and the promoters of NDTV are trying to resist a takeover. That aside, the one observation from all this is that Mr. Adani made majority of his fortune in regulated sectors, where a good understanding of the administrative and political system is required. It's no wonder then Mr. Adani employs quite a few retired IAS officers at his companies. Most people point to his astronomical growth in fortunes coinciding with the rise of Narendra Modi, right from when he was Chief Minister of Gujarat to being Prime Minister of India. And Mr. Adani doesn't shy away from appreciating PM Modi on his policy initiatives and his vision for India. If you ask Mr. Adani's employees and those who know him personally, 
They say his tenacity, perseverance and never say die attitude are the reason for his meteoric rise to the top. Once convinced about a project, he sets near impossible deadlines and pushes his team to achieve that target well before that deadline. The ACC and Ambuja cement deal was executed in 30 days, which is a testament to his quick decision-making ability. They say reconsideration is never on the agenda under any circumstances. Even when he was under pressure from environmentalists and philanthropists for the coal mining project in Australia, Mr. Adani fought them off with conviction for a decade as he firmly believed that India needed that imported coal to generate power, at least temporarily, for at least its energy security until we can make the switch to green energy. But his success and the links it has to the Modi regime are undeniable. While Mr. Adani's businesses began taking off after Modi became chief minister in 2001, after he became Prime Minister in 2014, the Adani Group has seen an exponential rise in its revenues, profits, number of projects across India and even Mr. Gautam Adani's personal wealth, which topped out when he briefly held the title of the world's second richest man a couple of months ago. Even when it comes to giving, while the most generous Indian billionaires donated money towards education and healthcare, usually through their own foundation, Mr. Adani who was 7th on that list and donated 190 crores this year, gave his money for disaster relief, almost as if to please the government. But that aside, the story of the share price of his companies have gone like this. Stock market down, Adani shares up. Economy in trouble, Adani shares up. Geopolitical concerns, Adani shares up. Inflation ravaging the world, doesn't matter, Adani shares up. But conventional wisdom dictates it doesn't make sense to invest in his businesses. Their valuations are sky high and debt is rising at an alarming pace. You won't find any well-renowned investors like Rakesh Junjunwala or RK Damani investing in an Adani company. And God forbid, if Warren Buffett were asked to invest in Adani stocks, he'd probably have you thrown off a cliff. His unpleasant remarks regarding cryptocurrencies come to mind. Of course, the main problem is the group's ballooning debt from its ambitious expansion plans, which has now swelled close to 3 lakh crores after the ACC and Ambuja deal. Reliance's cash cow is its petrochemical business, which it uses to fund its expansion of its retail and telecom verticals. The Tata group has TCS as its cash cow, which funds its acquisitions and expansion. But the Adani group funds theirs primarily through debt. Here's another comparison, and this data however is a month old and figures have been rounded off for simplicity. Reliance, the Adani Group's closest competitor, has a revenue of 7,80,000 crores per year and based on this, the market has valued it at 17,10,000 crores, which is its market capitalization. The Adani Group on the other hand, with a revenue of just 2,24,000 crores per year has a market cap of 20 lakh crores. The P ratios, which take profitability into account, and with this one, the lower the better, shows reliance with a P ratio of 26.5 times, and the Adani group with a P ratio of a mammoth 370 times. But to be fair, the group has managed to lower the cost of its debt significantly. Before, it used to take high-cost loans from banks. 
but now it has refinanced that debt with low cost bonds. Six years ago, about 86% of the group's loans were from banks. And today that number has dropped to 33%. So they managed to save quite a bit. They're also selling stake in some of their mature businesses to raise money, which is prudent. But debt is not their only problem. Another question experts pose is whether the group has the management and operational bandwidth to run 22 different businesses. I mean, many of them are new businesses which the group doesn't have prior experience or expertise to run. Mr. Gautam Adani keeps his family close. His two sons, his two nephews and his brother are all part of his core team and are given responsibility for running different businesses. A family business expert said, it's difficult to imagine the next generation being able to efficiently manage without bringing in non-family professionals to manage their business. And finally, here's the part where I answer the question, when to sell Adani stocks? Clearly, these stocks have defied gravity and have given investors stellar returns over the last few years. So, when should you sell and book your profit? Because ultimately, buying is only one part. To profit from the deal, you need to know when to exit. Sell your Adani stocks when the government changes. Now, before you begin with the conspiracy theories, I'm not suggesting Mr. Adani has become big because of the Modi government. And neither am I suggesting he won't do well when a new government is in power. What I'm telling you is how the stock market behaves. Mr. Adani will have to prove himself to the stock market, which has rewarded him with such high valuations. And he'll have to prove that he can maintain the same pace under any government for at least one, two years before the market rewards him again with the same valuations. I think a month or two prior to the results of the general elections in 2024, Adani group shares will begin falling. And if the Modi government is toppled, shares will continue to fall until Mr. Adani proves himself again to the stock market. Now be the first to know about the latest updates on our new news app. Go on your Android or iOS, search for HW News Network. Download our app, choose the language you prefer to get updates in and be up to date with the latest news.